Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. My name is Sadie Carpenter, and I am here with my wonderful co-host. Oh, I'm so wonderful. Well, my name is Gabrielle Hakoen, and I now know the origin of love. So there's that. That's right. You know the, the Platonic origin of love. That actually comes from Plato. I did read but, about that. I yeah. think it's very interesting. But um, we're going to get into that. But first, I just have to say... That the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about my life in and escape from the IFB cult. Uh, we talk about the IFB other cults, religion, fundamentalism, and we seek to educate and inform our audience about the dangers that cult groups pose to society as a whole. We promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. Well, you did all of that absolutely perfectly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, because as you can see, she is the one who is introducing this episode. And you know why? Because it is a reverse homework episode. Yes, that's right. Put um, your homework and- down, flip it and reverse it. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like hey, that. I Missy made Elliot. a cultural <laughs> reference. Look she at did. that. It's a it's a Pride Month miracle, y'all. Now, usually, usually homework episodes are me assigning Sadie something that she is not familiar with. 
um, culturally. And today, uh, it was the exact opposite of that, uh, where Sadie signed me something that I was not familiar with because it is Pride Month. And so Sadie, and so we're doing all LGBTQ themed content for this month. And so she assigned me a, a piece of media that is very LGBTQ themed. Yeah. So that's that's super fun. There was there obviously are just so many pieces of media that we could have picked for this month. And we just we wanted to do musical theater, right? Right. It was it's it's a little overwhelming trying to think like what could you even potentially pick. But this is I thought having a musical theater piece would be appropriate for Pride Month. Absolutely. But I also this is an incredibly moving piece of musical theater. Um, it's something that's, that's personally very meaningful to me. Uh, and, and I know I wanted to challenge you cause I know you don't like typical musical theater songs, just like the musical writing style, like Rodgers and Hammerstein doesn't appeal to you. I wouldn't say Rodgers and Hammerstein doesn't appeal to me. It's like, if it sounds like wicked, then I'm kind of out. Oh, really? It's yeah. See, that's, like that's crazy to me. You would sound so good singing like defying gravity. You have the I, range for defying gravity and you don't like wicked. I have the range for a lot of things, but that it's, it's mostly just that it's, I don't know. It's, it's a bit too campy, but not in, not in like a cool way. See this one, it was a little bit campy, but in a very, in a way that it felt very appropriate. So do you want to tell the people what I had, what what we're vaguely referencing, what we're vaguely (laughs) referencing. So I assigned Gavi to watch uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. I personally have seen it on stage. I've seen film of like uh, recordings of stage performances. And then I've also seen the John Cameron Mitchell 2001 movie. Uh, I assigned him to watch the movie just because that's the most accessible um, way to to get the whole story. Because of COVID, I couldn't just make you go see it in a theater. Yeah. <laughs> but you uh, watched the mo- watched the movie, heard the songs. Yes. And now you're going to talk gonna about talk it. About- well, yeah, you know, it's the sort of well, you know what? If this was was a, a coming to town and I got the chance to see it, you know what? I would strongly consider it because I I enjoyed it. I got enjoyment out of it. I probably didn't get the same level of enjoyment out of it as a queer person would because it, you know, it didn't necessarily represent my identity, but I did find it enjoyable. I found it relatable, and I love the music. And I'm just gonna let our audience know that I'm probably going to cry through this episode um, because you said like something about seeing it in person and I've got tears in my eyes because I'm thinking about like the time that I got to see it in person um, here in Portland and just like I went Where was in that at the Keller. Uh, no, it was a triangle over in Northeast. Huh, okay. Like a smaller, yeah. like smaller community theater auditorium. I think the, the audience was maybe like 250 people. Oh, that's intimate. That's really it, good. Well, it was. And it was a friend of a friend of ours who played the lead. We didn't find that out until later. But it was, oh my gosh. I I went in to seeing this for the first time a little bit skeptical. Or seeing it in person for the first time. Um, I went in a little bit skeptical and had a religious experience. <laughs> Uh, so do you want to jump into kind of the plot summary of Hedwig? What, what, what happens in this movie? So, okay. So we, we open the story where we have, uh, this woman Hedwig, uh, she is fronting this band called the angry inch. Uh, they are playing not the best venues. You could say (laughs) they're playing like diners, restaurants. So they, the, the band is playing at 
restaurants that are kind of like knockoff red lobsters. Yeah. It's a seafood restaurant. It's which I'm, is a ref which is funny. It's it doesn't it like it it's not that you know, I've I've played gigs at a lot of different places. I've played it at uh concert hall halls that seated thousands of people and I've played in basements and I've played at I've played places. some basement shows, yep. <laughs> I've played some places where people there did not want there to be live music playing, but you know, the people were paying me to play live music there. So I went there and did it, uh, which, you know, is an awkward experience. And this was very much in that vein. And then, so, you know, she's playing, uh, what's the first song? It's tear me down. Tear me down is the first song. So that's the first song just right out of the gate. So I'll tell you one of my top, probably top 10 favorite albums of all time is David Bowie Diamond Dogs. Diamond Dogs by David Bowie. That's like, I I listen to that record all the time. Oh, I love it so much. And so the song Tear Me Down, very musically reminiscent of Diamond Dogs, David Bowie. And so I was listening to it. I'm like, okay, if this is what the music in this, uh, in this movie is going to be like, I'm here for it. I dig it. I really like it. Um, I really liked that song. Um, and, you know, there was uh, bits in there about, I guess, the Berlin Wall. Uh, she's playing this song and, and it's... it's Yeah, so they're like, they're setting up this this story uh, where Hedwig's body is, like, the, the Berlin Wall is like a metaphor for her body and her identity. Yes, everything and, in this movie is metaphorical. Yeah, literally everything uh, is is a metaphor for something else in this movie. Um, and most things are also a reference to some other piece of media. <laughs> it, it, it's like, it, it's self-referential. It's referencing other things. And I think that that really appeals to like an intelligent yeah. musical theater fan. Cause yeah. we musical theater people are the kind of people who are like, would notice, you know, little references to other things or little phrases. So she's playing the song, the song wraps up. Um, and I, I guess we keep getting references to um, to or, you know, she's back in the hotel room um, or we keep getting references to that. There's somebody uh, that there's some uh, some dude that she has like th- that she has some sort of connection with for whatever reason. Yeah, some, she's some playing musician. the show yeah. and she's kind of going off on these, these like mini rants with veiled references to some rock star dude. Yeah. And, and, and we're going to find out more about him as as the plot goes on yeah so eventually we find out okay well she has all of these songs that she's playing these songs are really cool they're very you know glam very uh like very glam rock which is super cool uh but then we find out that she says i wrote all these songs these are all the same songs that this other this rock star tommy gnosis right is that's his name tommy gnosis is playing all of these songs but she's really the one who wrote them Uh, uh this guy stole them from me and she's yeah. on this tour and, you know, you, there are sometimes when you see the door open to the venue and you can hear like right across the street, Tommy Gnosis is playing a concert at like a stadium and playing the same song as she just wrapped up playing. Or there's one time when they were at a festival and she's playing at the festival, her band's playing at the festival. No one's there because everyone's off at the other uh, side of the festival, at the other stage, seeing Tommy Gnosis play. So she has this, this connection with this guy, Tommy Gnosis, who is, is famous, who is successful off of these songs that, you know, she's saying, I wrote these songs, this guy stole them. And then interspersed with that, we get the, the story of her life, which is alarming and sad. Uh, to yeah. Say the least. So, so the first couple songs are kind of sugary, 
for lack of a better word. Like there's some dark references once you start to understand what's going on in the plot. Um, but they're upbeat, they're cheerful. Hedwig kind of looks like she's got it together on stage. Everything seems to be going pretty well for playing in a seafood restaurant yeah. um, as a rock band. It's the sort of thing where I'm watching this show and I'm like, why are you playing in a seafood restaurant? If you're, you're like, good. if this was like 20 years, like 20 years, like if this was in like 2021, I guess if we were doing shows in 2021 and this same person was playing now the same music, I'd be like, I would expect them to be playing, you know, if, if, if she was touring, she would be playing at like Mississippi studios, you know, that's, or, or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like that like- kind of venue that, that seats or that is like a, uh, like a, a popular nightclub. So you're to, like, where did your life yeah. go wrong? Because you're clearly really talented. Your band rocks. Like they're, you know, you've got it together. You've and got it. Just, to- and, and the musical just like immediately drops you into the dark past. And you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so we where find out she's from, she's from East Germany. And yeah. So let's, uh, are we going to, why don't we all just, just tell the story of what goes on with her life. So we're in East Germany She's growing up in East Germany. Um, not a great life to be growing up in East Germany, as it turns out. Uh, wasn't a great place to live. But, you know, she listens to the the rock radio, the U.S. servicemen's radio, uh, who are, are stationed in, in in West Berlin. Right. And, and that's yeah, where she's so- picking up like this, this rock and roll, this, this bug for David Bowie and for like Iggy pop. Yeah. And that's what she really and likes. Hedwig was born. Hansel was assigned male at birth and was growing up. The musical isn't super clear if Hansel identified as male or identified as like non-binary genderqueer or what. Um, and that's one of the things I love about this musical because you, never actually know what are the correct pronouns to use and and i love that it makes you think about it yeah but like hansel was growing up in like the the in like the 60s 70s in uh behind the iron curtain like that the 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 language that we use today to talk about those things didn't exist to talk about Mm -hmm. them back then in the mainstream so people didn't know what that was and hansel's kind of one window to the world was the radio um, which only worked if it was inside the oven because it, it like you only get a clear signal from the American radio station in like the one spot in the house or the oven like amplified the signal or something. So you had to kind of like put the radio in the oven and lean down by the oven to hear it. Oh, really? I so from it's the movie. In, oh, that may not be in that may be in a spoken word piece in the show or that may just be hidden deep in the in one of the songs in the patter. Oh well, when I was watching the movie, what it had what it had in the movie was that uh, Hansel was, uh, you know, dancing on, jumping on the bed, listening to the music. Mom comes in and is like, "No, you have to listen to it uh, with your head in the oven, so it's not disturbing me." Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, that's okay. what I that's what I saw. I may have just I may have just misinterpreted it. I don't know. It's entirely I don't and know. And also, They're, like, I get the I apologize. I get the the show and the movie confused. Because people make changes. Directors decide different things. Well, John Cameron Mitchell, who wrote the thing, was the director, was the original Hedwig on Broadway and was also the director of the movie. So it's it's really interesting when things are changed for the movie. Yeah. But, you know, if you're a good director, then you got to know that, okay, well, this works in the movie. This works in the um, this works on the stage. And that's that's a minor plot point. That doesn't. Sorry. I'm I'm sorry. It's just such a I love every detail of this thing and I'm going to geek out over it this entire episode. Yeah. Um. So Hansel grows up to, um, to at some point in teenage 
years uh, and eventually meets an American soldier who gives him candy, which is the song Sugar Daddy, which is very creepy. Yes, but Sugar Daddy is like literally my favorite song in this. I love that song so much. That one's your favorite? Really? It's one of my, it's, it's, it's like, oh, every song in this movie is my favorite. Okay. Okay. But Sugar Daddy is probably the one I listen to the most often. It's, I, that was a good song. That wasn't one that really stood out to me as like my favorite, you know, it was, it was, a it was good. If but you like, watch, um, if you watch the, uh, Neil Patrick Harris performed it at an award show and, uh, danced up on Orlando Bloom and it was really funny. <laughs> that is really funny. I, I may have um, to look at that. Yeah, I'll, they'll send you a link to that one. But uh, Hansel wants to marry the American soldier. They're in love. They want to get married. But They're going to pretend that Hansel is a woman. Right, because that will allow them to get a marriage license and they need a marriage license to leave East Germany. They, so Hansel has to pass as female to be able to get the marriage license and to be able to get out of the country, which is what her mother wants her to be able to do. And like, that's what every, that's what's best for everybody. But then they real, but then they realize, Oh, well to do that, there's going to be a physical examination. Mm-hmm. So, so there, yeah. so Hansel is going to have to get a sex reassignment surgery. What do we use now? That's not the right term anymore. It's a gender, gender confirmation it, surgery. Yeah. Uh, and it was botched yeah it was very poorly done by a, a doctor behind the iron curtain who i guess that scene was very jarring i did not know where this was gonna go and then i saw that scene i'm like oh this is where this is gonna go that's um yeah traumatic and i feel like oh sorry i bumped to the baby and she gave me a frowny she's sleeping on my lap and i bumped her talking with my hands um yeah, so the, so it just like it kind of just keeps getting more and more traumatic throughout this like first act here. But then you know it, it uh, she gets and that's when we get the song that that apparently she is left with she does not have a penis and the vagina that they tried to create closed up did not work. Yes, uh which is which is one of the the funny like not funny, one of the more clever I think lines in the musical. Uh, six inches forward and five inches back. Yeah, that's that's one of the little they're they're just little lyrical lines that I'm like that is so good. Yeah, and so then there's the song. That's where we get the 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 phrase the angry inch, which is the name of Hedwig's band, is because the inch is like what she's got. You know, yeah, that's, like that's, what's what's left after the botched surgery. Yeah, and so she, but she gets out of the, uh, she gets out of East Germany. She moves to America, and then a year later, the Berlin Wall comes down, and her husband leaves her for another man. Yep, for a man. Uh, or for- she's she's living as a woman in America, um, and her husband leaves her for a man. So this is all just like, it's, it's so yeah. so things just kind of get worse and worse. And Hedwig, who took on her mother's name to have a feminine name to get out of the... To, so she took her mother's name because she took her mother's passport to get out of East Germany. Yeah. Hedwig um, continues to present female and then at some point comes to identify as female. And it's it's not kind of canon when, like what exactly that point was, but she does refer to herself as a woman later like by by at some point in this 
twisted story. Yeah. So this, so at this point in the story, um, back in the, back in the the knockoff Red Lobster, Hedwig is singing the song "Wig in Wig in a Box," which is a fun one. That was uh, that one was really good. Yeah, and so she she does that song, and then you know we also we figure out you know next part of her life is that she works as a sex worker and also as a nanny, right? That's yes. what's going on. She works as a sex worker, also as a nanny. And during her time working as a nanny, she comes across this, uh, she's working for this family um, and they have a 17 year old son. Uh, the family's very religious uh, and the 17 year old son is maybe not so religious. He's a bit more edgy. His name is Tommy and she begins a, I don't know, a weird sexual relationship with him, but also she's working, she's trying to mentor him in the, in music so it starts off more as like a, um, you know, I, I think you really have talent. I think you could be a rock star. And she is sharing with him the songs that she wrote and she's teaching him. Well, if you want to stand out on stage, you should wear black eyeliner, black nail polish. And and then it event- the relationship eventually turns sexual. And this kind of mirrors. Um, this No, this relationship began sexual. Well, it mirrors the relationship between Hedwig and Luther. Sure. Oh, and Luther's was the sugar daddy. Luther yeah, was, Luther was the, yeah. the, the, the sugar daddy husband, American soldier. It it mirrors that because there's there's all these tones of like dubious consent at best. Yeah, and this kid's what he's seventeen at this time. Yeah. So, and, and Hedwig, Hedwig is what, like thirty like twenties? Late twenties. Like it, it mirrors that. And I think this is important because I, I enjoy a musical where the hero doesn't always do good things. And this is a situation where you can tell, you know, I mean, she's obviously acting out of trauma, but also acting out of like, I, I don't know. Desperation. I think desperation to be loved is yes. what it is. Because Hedwig, I mean, think of, think about it. Hedwig changed who she was for Luther. She fundamentally uprooted her her view of herself and the world's view of her and changed her life permanently for him. Yeah. And then he rejected her like a year later. Um, he just treated and not her only like that, she was but nothing. He left her for a man, which was what, what she was. could have been. <laughs> and so like she changed everything for, for, for what she thought he wanted. And then he was like, no, I don't want that. I actually want what you used to be or what you could have been. And that's and so a, I think like she's acting out of like extreme need to be loved. Yeah. And Tommy being younger and naive, I think I think that she thinks that he can maybe give her that all accepting love that she's seeking. Yeah, but then, you know, they they get to the point where they're going to actually, you know, do stuff sexually and he finds the bump, he finds the angry inch. And he's like, what's that? And then she because, says yeah, to him, he may have been too young and naive to not know that she was not assigned female at birth. Yeah. He just thinks that this is just some like glammed up woman. And he's very Christian. So he doesn't know like or the family probably didn't know that either because they're like very Christian. They, right. they don't know what they're looking for. Like, yeah, the whole thing, like the whole thing is like about passing privilege. Yeah. And and like the. The mixed bag of passing privilege. He gets very angry, decides to leave, 
uh, because, you know, and she's like, what are you afraid of? And then he, he runs out, uh, steals her songs, gets super famous. She sues him. Uh, and so then that's sort of where you find because they're like following their tour is following the Tommy Gnosis tour and like playing in the same cities uh, at the same time. Uh, and it's it's really just not going very well. Yeah, like this is not a good situation for anybody in the band. Um, like Hedwig is having a conflict with her husband, Yitzhak. Yeah, but he she's really just it's the conflict isn't that there's conflict between them. The conflict is that she's treating him like absolute shit. Like, you know, there'll be times when, you know, he would be singing backing vocals and he would sound really good and then she walked over and like switched his microphone off at the very beginning just to be like, "No, like I'm the star. I'm the one." Yeah. Like Did you catch and, like the context of that that relationship conflict though? How do you mean? So, Yitzhak was a drag queen. Yeah. And he was, like, the best. Like, the best no, but, of the wait, best. really? They yeah. never said that. They Like, that wasn't in the movie. Um, I'm not sure, like, where this... I know it's canon. I don't know where it is. I see. This is the thing. I, I don't... This... I, so... I, so this may be in, like, a, in, like, a song from the show, or it may just be in, like, the... Like, hidden in the lyrics of a song somewhere. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know exactly where it is. Yitzhak was a drag queen... And he was, like, the best drag queen. And Hedwig agreed to marry him. So so Yitzhak knows that Hedwig really wants Tommy. And that, like, being married to Yitzhak is just not really her jam. She's just kind of doing it to do it. See, I saw that. I, okay. I, I, I figured that out because they were, you know, they were going to, uh, they were kissing on the bed after one of the shows. And then the TV comes on and it's Tommy on the TV and then Yitzhak gets all mad because Hedwig's attention is drawn away. Yeah. Um, the other part of that drama, though, is that like Yitzhak was was a, a very famous drag queen, and Hedwig only agreed to marry him if he promised to never do drag again. That was because absolutely not in the movie at all. No, what like that wasn't in the movie. What's supposed to be implied is that Hedwig is jealous of Yitzhak because he is able to present as female so well. She does not want him to do drag because she feels like that takes attention away from her or that he will present female better than she does. Okay. Well, I, I Oh, it's in a deleted scene. Okay. Well, I didn't see the deleted scene. I okay. just found it. Um, It's in a deleted scene in the movie. Well, Yitzhak tries to, anyway, uh, they're playing shows. The shows aren't going very well. Yitzhak is, uh, gets cast on a cruise ship version of rent, right? Right. Yitzhak goes auditions and, and is is in rent on a cruise ship and is like he comes in and is just like fuck you. Um I quit and Hedwig tears up Yitzhak's passport, which was fun. That yeah. that one terrified me. That is like such abusive behavior. Not a great look for uh for our lead uh star Hedwig here. Uh not a great look for you. Hedwig just like I I don't know collectively kind of loses her shit, goes goes back to sex work goes back to like walking the streets gets picked up by who of all people but Tommy Gnosis they have a car crash uh was they're they're like discussing stuff in the car they have a car crash which goes very poorly Hedwig gets very angry at, at Tommy because she you know she feels like you know he stole all her songs he also just doesn't understand the meaning behind them. 
um, because there was one part where he, I think he got the lyrics wrong to one of them, uh, but he doesn't understand the meaning behind them. They're driving around, they're drinking, they're driving around, they get in the crash. And meanwhile, there had been all of this whole like, you know, legal kerfuffle going around where every, nobody basically believed Hedwig's story because they're just like, oh, there's this. You people know, did, yeah, people were like, you stuff. never knew Tommy Gnosis. Like, you're just making yeah. people didn't believe that she ever knew him, much less that he stole her thought. And then they get photographed, yeah. And then they're in a car together. And then Tommy is like, We were no, yeah, they were no, we we didn't know each other. Uh I, I'd never known, like I, I didn't know about anything. Anyway, Tommy Gnosis his career kind of spirals. Hedwig becomes popular, gets on like Rosie O'Donnell, I guess. Um, is playing a show and uh, uh, sort of kind of freaks out. Yeah, like all of this conflict and like the car crash with Tommy and the semi breakup with Yitzhak and like the breakup of the band and the getting back together in the band, like all of this conflict and all of her past trauma kind of just comes to a head in a very uncomfortable public manner. I mean, it's it's like the sort of thing that like you would see on you know like like somebody smashing up instruments on on tv you know where it would be seen as like a very rock and roll thing to do see it was the sort of thing where it was very public and very crazy but it was also very rock and roll and so then she sort of has this scene where i feel like the scene was kind of occurring inside her head where she where where she like sings like this duet with tommy right she sings yeah, is this that du- wicked little town she she sings this duet with tommy uh, but I think that's like occurring inside her head. And then she uh, is playing a show with her band again, where they're all dressed in white and everybody's together. And it's, you know, and it's, it's, she realizes that, uh, that, that she was the love that she needed all along. And yeah. the movie ends. So some, some context from the play in the play. Okay. So in the play, right towards the very end, Hedwig has like this mental breakdown, right? And she, yanks off her wig and she takes off her makeup and kind of transitions into like boy mode or non-binary mode and and like is not presenting female anymore in the stage play that duet with tommy gnosis is not a duet it's hedwig the the actor playing hedwig takes on the role of tommy gnosis to sing that song huh and it's it's kind of a a mind situation of like are they are they the same person are are they like the same person or are they it's very it's it's purposely confusing blurring okay what it is is it's blurring the lines between the personhood of Hedwig and the personhood of Tommy Gnosis right because they well they're so much a part of each other at least they're they're exactly so the whole yeah yeah, the whole play slash movie is about the concept of soulmates Plato's symposium which is laid out in um the song the origin of love it talks about how well this this uh, Plato's theory that humans were originally two people stuck back to back, so two faces, eight limbs, and there were some that were two men, and there were some that were two women, and then there were some that were one man and one woman, and the gods were jealous of the potential that humans had because while one person did one thing, the other person could watch their back and they could work together as a team because of the way that they were put together. But the gods were jealous of the potential of these humans. So they split them in half. And now 
you know, we are all walking around without our other half and that's our soulmate. And we spend our whole lives looking for that complete love and acceptance that can only be found in your other half. And so the the whole play is is about Hedwig looking for her other half because she thought it was Luther and then it wasn't. And then she realized she had fundamentally changed herself for somebody and dealing with that trauma. And then she thought her other half was Tommy and then Tommy also betrayed her. And then she thought, well, maybe I can just force my other half to be Yitzhak. And it, it's about, because in, in the Plato way of looking at things, those two humans weren't really separate individuals. They were really one person and you're just half a person until you find your soulmate. So yeah. Hedwig's kind of dealing with this idea and like, do I believe that? Or am I a whole person on my own who is looking for somebody who loves me unconditionally? I enjoyed the movie. Uh, I'll say that much. Uh, I thought the music was really good. I, I think my favorite songs, what were my favorite songs? I really liked The Origin of Love was really good. I like Tear Me Down. That You know, the first number out of it, I really like it because it sounds like Diamond Dogs, um, that kind of thing. And uh, which one was the other one that I really liked? Uh, Wicked Little Town. That was That one was really good. Wicked Little Town is really good. It's really good. It's a good song. I liked it. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I still, I still, I just love the song Sugar Daddy so much. And I think part of it is the the patter because I just, as a musical theater nerd, I really appreciate songs that have quick speaking patter in it. Right. Because you're really interested. When we were talking about music, one of the things that we were talking about was how you really get into the lyrics of whatever mm -hmm. is going on. So Sugar Daddy, I mean, musically, maybe that one didn't speak to me as much as other ones did. Um, because you know what? I just listened to it once. I listened to it twice uh, when I watched the movie. And so I was listening for words, but sometimes the words are hard to get to. Oh, um, yeah. And Sugar so, Daddy, it's fast because there's that line. Um, I'll be your Venus on a chocolate clamshell rising in a sea of marshmallow foam. I, I did not get that line. But it. But did you get okay? Did you get it when I said, or do I do I need to go slower? No, I got it when you said okay. it. I guess, but like it's yeah. like I'll be your Venus on a chocolate clamshell, rising in the sea of marshmallow foam. But that's, anyway, I'm I'm super into Sugar Daddy as a song because one, if you watch the the NPH version from where he was at a, an award show, you get to see him do the car wash gag on Orlando Bloom, which is just funny. No matter how you cut it, it's just it's just cute and adorable and hilarious. Um, but also, like, I, I adore fast pattern songs that I just thought that was amazing. So I want to talk about the song Midnight Radio. Okay. I liked Midnight Radio. I thought that one was a good one. So this was the first song that I heard from Hedwig. Oh, okay. Because, so I uh, obviously heard some preaching about Hedwig in the church growing up. Wait, you? so here's a question. I want to ask you about this. Because, okay. so... I would have assumed that this musical was 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 not um, mainstream enough for the IFB to care about it. Is that true? Or That's they... not true, but I can tell you why. Why? So why is that? Because I'd never heard of it before you before you said before you brought it up to me. But also, I'm not a, a big musical theater geek, so I wouldn't know it. Yeah. So if you are queer or into musical theater you would at least know that this exists and i'm neither of those things and so you are yeah you're neither one of those things even though you know people might think that you're either one of them you actually are not and that's sadly and that's okay 
<laughs> you know what? I just I just wanted to tell you, by the way, while we're on this topic in honor of Pride Month, um, I just wanted to let you know that I care about you just as much as I would care about you if you were gay. And um, oh wow, I don't I don't blame you for being the way that you are. <laughs> and um, and and you know what? I accept you for who you are as a straight person. Sadie, you know what that means so much because uh, because I know I I. I, I I, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, uh, uh, at a loss for words right now. Yeah. So emotionally. Just, just wanted to let you know that, you know, <laughs> that I don't care that you're straight. Just like, you know, don't try to like turn me straight or anything. <laughs> okay. What were we talking about? Uh, we were oh, talking- Midnight Radio. The Midnight IFB. Radio. So the IFB is like a, is a major part of, of outrage culture. So they know about. Oh, yes. So this gives them a lot to be outraged about. Here's a question: Do you think the uh, IFB knows about Megan the Stallion and Cardi oh, B? Yeah. Wop? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, are you kidding? Absolutely, oh. I, I guarantee you that was mentioned from pulpits all over the country after it dropped. Oh man, they know about all of this stuff. Like they seek out things to be upset about. Because that's what they do. Because if there aren't things to be upset about, they make them up. But the IFB, so I heard about several musical theater things actually growing up. Uh, I heard about Jesus Christ Superstar. and Yeah, they would hear about that one. That's pretty big. Like, I, I know about that one. Um, I really want to make you watch that next year for Easter, by the way. Yeah, we could. I heard that it's, it's coming to Portland. Yes, I know. I'm, I'm supposed to be going. Nice. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm going to die. Um, maybe we should get tickets and do that for a homework episode. We could. Uh, I know uh, a mutual friend of ours has tickets. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um. Right. Oh, so the IFB, like they, I don't know exact. I don't know if there's like outrage magazine that they all subscribe to or what. So the IFB, I don't know how they would have accessed information about this but have you seen the post that's going around facebook right now about the movie cruella about how it's demonic and it's going to get your children and all that stuff no i saw the post in the beehive where there was the one scene from it they're just like this was like a a inspired by beyonce homecoming that's all i saw about cruella there a lot of our listeners will probably have seen there's a post by a conservative Christian person that's going around the, the Facebooks right now uh, about how Cruella is, is demonic and how the theme song proves it. And this is the ploy. This is Satan's ploy for your children. Don't go see Cruella in theaters or whatever. And that it's passed around that way through word of mouth. It's like an email forward, but it's on Facebook now. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure. So my, my theory is that before email forwards or Facebook, it was just pastors speaking to each other. So you might get a phone call from another pastor saying, hey, have you heard about this movie, Cruella? It's coming out. It's demonic. Here's your proof. And then that guy would add on something to it, like a literal game of telephone, and then pass it on to the next guy. Hey, have you heard about this movie, Cruella? That's coming out. It's demonic. And here's two ways to prove it. And then That's that hilarious. Guy passes it on to the next guy with three ways to prove it and so on and so forth. And so then you find out like, okay, well, uh, here's this new uh, – uh, like you were saying, you know, somebody was like listening to the instrumental Phantom of the Opera and then they figured out 
Oh, I felt a spirit, a demonic spirit come into my car. And you've been listening to something for a while, for a long time. And then you find out, oh, wait, actually, this thing is demonic. Uh, now I can't listen to it anymore. Which is kind of, yeah, which is a common occurrence as an IFB member. Something new comes out. Oh, I really like this. I hope they don't figure out it's demonic. <laughs> yes. No, that is, that literally has happened to me. Um, like what? Oh, uh, gosh. What? Something that came out that I really liked it, that I was afraid that it might come out that it was demonic. Yeah. Um, there was this, there was this piano guy, um, and I cannot remember the guy's name, but he did. Somebody will probably be able to tweet at me or, or uh, Facebook me and tell me uh, there. I think it's John something. He was a piano soloist and he played a lot of Disney songs. He did a whole album of Disney songs. Um, I know. Can you feel the love tonight was on there? Uh, Beauty and the Beast theme, obviously the Aladdin theme. Classic. Um, but yeah, just like very classic, like Disney love songs played on piano. I uh, can't remember the guys, the guys, the performer's name, but I had that CD and I was really worried that I was going to get in trouble because there were songs from non-approved Disney movies on there. Uh, and I was, I was really worried that like, that somebody was going to tell me that even though it's just an instrumental version, if it's from a movie that has bad stuff in it, then that song is also demonic. Oh my God. That's so, uh, but there's uh, people that just really get off on telling people that they like very holier than thou that they, that you can't do something, you know. And I figured this out, and and I figured out that the devil is trying to get you. It just makes you like paranoid, like a like a religious fundamentalist, Mad Eye Moody. Yes, it, it it's that exactly. The constant vigilance. Yeah. So I I assume that people were passing around. Some pastor somewhere heard about this movie. And started to kind of start up the, the the prayer chain, as it were, about this is, oh, this is terrible. Because uh, trans people are just one of the, the the real big things that the IFBs like to hate on. So this movie came out in, what, 2001? Yeah. And it would have been pretty subversive at the time. I See, I can't remember hearing about, like, trans people until probably, like, 2006, 2007. Right. And this That's, is also yeah. not, like, a... This is not like a, a squeaky clean portrayal of trans people. Oh, no. This, this movie is this grimy. Is, this is not transparent, okay? <laughs> like, this is um, this is very gritty. It's very edgy. And Hedwig is... I think a lot of people now, they, they want to portray, like, more typical trans people. Like, you know, people who are friends of mine who are just literally very normal nice people who happen to be trans and and just just like regular people and Hedwig is not like a regular person no. Hedwig's got mountains of trauma and just suitcases full of bad decisions I mean it's still subversive now but it would have been even more so back in the early 2000s so what were the IFB pastors saying about this movie uh so it's kind of the same thing that they say about any media that depicts trans people, that it's uh, this is meant to encourage your children to transition. Um, this is this is meant to uh, mm. normalize. Sorry for I'm, I'm sorry. Trigger warning for saying this. Uh, this is to normalize men who want to be sexual predators by identifying as female. Um, okay. So, yeah, the IFBs are turfs in case except for not feminists. <laughs> They're trans exclusive radical fundamentalists, is what they are. Oh, boom! 
Oh, that's good. <laughs> I did it. I you did. did so- it. I really did something. You did there. the thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, that's uh, great. No, they really. They, they are terse. They're trans exclusive radical fundamentalists. Yeah, not um, feminists. Or they, they hate feminism. They hate feminism. Or, what or, do they hate more, feminism or trans people? Oh man, probably trans people. Mm. But but I really had to think about it. Um, you yeah, could also do terp, trans inclusionary radical patriarchalist. Patri- yeah, that's a, that better. doesn't roll. It doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well. You're right. Um, so yours is better, but mine's good. I don't know. I, I watched this movie. I feel like this movie doesn't really encourage me to want to be to want to be trans, does it? I mean, you I mean, saw this. I don't. No, I don't think this is. Hedwig's life has been anything it's not the word but I'd easy. Use. No. <laughs> Just like that. I mean, it 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 just it showed every piece of it as very traumatic, but also you know, it's. I mean, it was humanizing. I feel like the issue isn't that. Oh, it's going to encourage your kids to be to to be trans is going to encourage it's going to encourage your kids to see trans people as human beings who who have their like thoughts and feelings not just a a demon possessed weirdos yeah and i think so so when the ifb says like this is going to encourage your kids to want to transition what you kind what you hear and what you even think that you believe when you're in that position is that this movie puts thoughts of being gay, being trans, being non-binary, whatever, uh, into people's minds where those thoughts would not have previously existed. So people who believe that way might hear my story and say, well, what did you watch that put the idea of being bisexual in your head? Because clearly that didn't come like that didn't, that, that wasn't, inborn into you or that wasn't just a natural part of who you were meant to be but something put something poisoned your mind something put that into your head and any queer representation in media positive negative or just like this is a person who exists any queer representation in media at all period is seen as this encourages children to be trans this encourages children to be gay this encourages whatever we heard from evan and we heard from emory in the episode that came out uh, on monday that neither of them had the words like had the word transgender like in their vocabulary until after they were out of the ifb and they heard it and they figured out what it was and they're just like oh and they had the like oh that's me moment just like you did with the whole bisexual moment where you heard oh what is bisexual oh that's what oh Mm, and it was me. like, oh, that's me. And it was very yeah. clear. So here, that's exactly what I was getting at. That's the point. It was this, is, this movie does not change anybody fundamentally from being cis to being trans. This movie does not fundamentally change anybody from being uh, and presenting cis to being non-binary. This movie does not turn anybody gay or turn anybody anything. But what this movie and other, represent, other queer representations in media – does is it gives people words for the experiences that they are already experiencing so the i like people people who are ifp people who are extremely conservative when they say this movie will make you trans or this movie will make you gay i want the half of our audience who never was in that situation who never was in the ifb i want that half of our of our audience to understand 
that they really do believe that because that is like the myopic point of view from which they are really seeing this. They are seeing someone saw this movie and then they came out. Therefore, that movie made them come out. Yes, because they're from their perspective. I mean, how many times have we heard people that are just like, I was in the IFB and I was not happy and I knew I felt like there was something wrong. And then I heard, I've heard this word and I heard what this identity was and I was like, oh, no, that's it. That's it. That's like, and yeah. like literally just giving people the information that this thing exists is something that they are angry about, that they're angry that that exists in culture. And the fact that, and so this is, this is one of the things that I think that we want to talk about is that, you know, uh, there's been a lot of talk lately about, oh, you know, Pride Month being bad or whatever, or people not liking. Yeah, I've heard it mentioned. The, just the fact that there is this visibility that people can see, oh, well, this is a thing that exists. This is a thing that uh, that is visible in culture. It lets people know if they are if they are trans or if they are non-binary or if they are gay or if they are bisexual, they they now have the framework to understand that that's what they are. Right. Yeah. Giving people words to define their own experience does not mean that you're creating an experience for them. That's exactly it. That's the best way of, of putting it that I've heard. Because please go check out the Your Queer Story Instagram. Uh, over there, they're posting stories of queer people throughout history for Pride Month. And it's been very informative. I've learned quite a bit that I didn't know already. Um, so by all means, go check out their Instagram. But the the truth is that there have been there have been gay people and lesbian people and bisexual people forever. There have also been trans people, non-binary people, gender fluid people forever. Like as long as there have been modern humans, there have been these people. And it's it is just that a lot of those cultural identities were erased by colonization. Uh, or that they were driven underground by Puritan values. And it's, it's, we are not making up new identities. We're just giving people the words to describe what they are. And what they are is something that people have been being for a very long time. Well, I mean, I, I feel like we shouldn't pretend that, you know, that, that like white Western culture or whatever people want to call it are the only ones who have ever been who have ever been discriminatory because i feel like that's an issue worldwide right oh yeah like yeah like yeah i mean for instance you want an example of something crazy is that in like iran for example in iran um they actually uh if you are gay you can either be executed uh put to death which is bad or they can give you a gender reassignment surgery because they view that as preferable yeah if, if if you want to talk about, I mean, because that's the theme of this movie is is people having the, as these things, these choices forced upon them, um, right? And and uh, when I said colonization, I, I specifically mean European colonizers in uh, what's now the United States and Canada. All right, because this is because a thing we were having a conversation a couple of days ago where I saw, yeah, go ahead, yeah. So I saw because you know there's LGBTQ. Uh, is the one that we usually see but then i saw one that had a two in it and i was like what's the two and what what was it you said it was like so two, two, is, two spirit two is for two spirit um many native groups so um in canada they they say first nations 
for people who lived here before the colonizers lived here. And that's the term that I often use because I'm married to Canadian and sometimes his phrases stick with me. But but many of the people who lived on the continent of North America before the 1600s, uh, many of them had in their different tribes had non-binary and transgender identities. Some tribes had three identities. So you'd be male, female, or two-spirit. And other tribes had had as many as five or six gender hmm. identities. Um, this is, is fairly well documented um, that a lot of North American tribes had an, an understanding of gender that went far beyond a binary male and female gender, like gender binary. Should have looked to them for wisdom rather than, you right. know, uh, <laughs> but the, committing the, genocide. <laughs> Ugh, big mistake. Though, but those people's co- concept of a non-binary identity was different than the Western concept that we have now of non-binary identities. The two for two-spirit is added into the LGBT acronym to recognize the people who are Native American that now that still follow two-spirit identities. Huh. I see. I'd never heard of that until like three days ago when you told me about it, but that's interesting. Well, huh. that's the kind of thing like you might not run into it. You you, you, it's, you run into it and you're like, what's that? And then you have to look it up. But it's a good thing to know. And you tell me about it. I'm like, oh, huh. That's kind of cool. You know, I mean, that's. It, uh, I want to move to something else, though, uh, that was that I want to get back to the text because you were going to talk about uh, Midnight what was it midnight radio Midnight radio oh my goodness we didn't actually get to that why do you love midnight radio so much <laughs> because i love this whole musical and i can go off on a tangent i about... can't tell i can't tell do you love it are you a fan of this musical i, I am indeed hedwig <laughs> le- okay let me say this thing and then i'll get back to midnight radio hedwig it's not a simple musical it's not easy to digest it's not a love story with like an orchestral swell at the end. And I love that because I feel like this musical, no, it does not turn anybody into anything that they weren't going to be anyway, but this musical and the way that it really shows the complexities of gender and the complexities of gender identity and sexual orientation and identity, it gives people a space to think about who they really are. And it gives people words to talk about who they are and lyrics to experience the feelings that they're experiencing. And I feel like that's why this musical is so valuable to so many LGBTQ people like me. Because for a lot of people, this this musical was the first thing that gave them the space to explore those things. So this was that for you? This was this was on it was it was a step an important step on that road for me. Oh wow. So I was still like marginally IFB like towards the the very end of my time in the IFB. And I had seen my cousin posting um actually two of my cousins love this musical. And uh, I had seen them posting about it and I was like, "Oh, I wonder what my cousins are so into with this musical." I looked it up and Midnight Radio happened to be the first song that I clicked on. And Midnight Radio is the like the big sum up song at the end of the show. And Hedwig is kind of telling her story. It goes back to referencing the, the radio with, with, the, with, with the head in the oven listening to the radio. And how the radio was Hedwig's only 
connection to the world beyond the Berlin Wall. And I think the analogy to me growing up in the IFB is pretty obvious. I felt like I was, you know, inside a situation where my access to the outside was limited, just like Hedwig as a child uh, growing up in East Germany. And I felt like the connections between me and the outside world were few and far between. I felt like I knew there was a world out there, but it wasn't something that I was able to access and I didn't know how to reach. And it felt like there was a literal wall between me and the world. And just that that feeling of, you know, re- reaching through the wall, through through music and trying to understand what is out there. Those themes just just really spoke to me. And it was it was very I think it was probably around the point where I knew that I was going to leave the IFB, but I hadn't done it yet. So it was just uh, and I didn't fully understand it at the time. But but that was kind of what was what was speaking to me about that song. And so there's there's a lot in here for you. So this is uh... and and the, the lyrics uh, for the misfits and losers, you know, your rock and rollers spin into your rock and roll. So that reminds me of something else that I wanted to talk about, right? Because we see Hedwig on this tour, and this is a down in the dumps tour. This is not a great tour. Throughout the entire movie, she's uh, or up until basically the very end, she's on this tour with her band. They're not playing great gigs, but. Every single place that she goes, somebody is in the audience, right? And you see people who are there in the audience listening to her tour who have like giant foam wigs that they're putting on that are like, because they're they're the Hedwig fans, you know, they're like the hardcore fan. Like, so there will maybe be like three or four of them, but only three or four but like there will be somebody in the audience there who's listening or like when they were there uh when tommy when they were playing at this festival right and they were on stage nine of the festival and tommy gnosis you assume is on stage one you can hear tommy gnosis playing in the background and hedwig is there on the stage you know that's the size of a you know you know what i'm saying it's, it's a uh, this yeah, stage it's about tiny. the size of a shipping pallet it's it's a it's tiny Um, there's one person standing out there and, you know, Hedwig sits down in the front of the stage and has that one person come up and then starts talking to, talking to that one person. Or when Hedwig is out, uh, when Hedwig tries to go and meet Tommy Gnosis, uh, which goes very poorly, uh, tries to go to the meet and greet, gets thrown out. Hedwig is sitting on this pile of tires out behind this building. And there are just like a bunch of people sitting on the tires with her as she is re, uh, telling the story of how she made a Tommy Gnosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's always people there that are listening to her story. It's not as if her story is falling on deaf ears ever. Yeah. And, and those people, I think that's what she's singing about when she says for the, the misfits and the losers. And I think a, a lot of people who relate to this musical primarily on the level of the LGBT content of it. Because all those people in the audience there are they're the ones that are the hardcore fans, they're very queer coded in the yeah, visually. Very much. Yeah. And, and I think like I think a lot of people who relate to this musical hardcore relate to it primarily on the grounds of 
I am a queer person. This movie is about queer people and it's humanizing and it's it's fulfilling and meaningful to me because of that thing. And that's great. That's fine. That's perfect. And they see themselves as like the misses and the losers that she's singing to. And that's perfectly great interpretation of that line. But I see... I see it as like I was very much a misfit when I left the IFB as well beyond being in the LGBT community. Boy, did I feel like a misfit. <laughs> um, I didn't know what to wear. I didn't know what Pokemon was until you told me. Hmm. And so that, that line speaks to me on two levels very much because, because I felt I felt like like misfits and losers. That speaks to a lot of people, and it, it is primarily written for queer people. But that one gets me in two different places. Yeah, and I can absolutely see why this. Uh, you know, when I looked it up, I was like, "What am I about to watch?" And it said it has developed a cult following. I can absolutely see why it has developed such a cult following because you know it it has it has a, a lane and it you know is in that lane very well. It's in, it's very it compelling. It's that deeply lane. compelling. Yeah. Yeah. This movie, this musical created the lane. Yeah. Um, and it, it does that very well. Uh, what else do you want to talk about with this film? Um, I want to make one little snarky comment about, um, maybe not snarky, but uh, just, just kind of something that always sticks out to me that I feel like other commenters on this movie can miss, which is that Tommy steals Hedwig's songs uh, like she gives him a stage name she gives him all these songs and he kind of just steals them and takes credit for them and um, that is such a feminine experience to have <laughs> and I'm not speaking about anybody in particular in my own life absolutely being serious I'm not trying to shade anybody but in general I feel that men in general take credit for the accomplishments of women and a lot of men build their success on the back of their wife or their their wives, their secretaries, um, women who work for them. Obviously not every man, but a lot of men build their lives on the work of women and do not give credit uh, and do not even know they believe, like a lot of men believe that they are self-made. It is culturally common for men to ignore incredible labor of the women in their lives and to think that they did it all themselves when in reality 90% of the work was done by their wife their mother some a woman who worked for them or whatever so I think uh that kind of just leads me to you know the the validity of Hedwig's experience as a woman I think a lot gets made over the one thing that cis women can do that trans women cannot which is birth children but the thing, the the truth is that that trans women experience a lot of what cisgender women do. Hedwig has transitioned, and one of the most feminine, the most female experiences that she has is a a man takes her work and doesn't give credit. And I think that's just a really a really lovely analogy for the the validity of trans people, and specifically the validity of trans women. Yeah, there's there's like there are like a couple things that cis women can do that trans women can't, but in reality, uh, trans women do have a very feminine, a very female experience. Yes, and, and that's that is one of a million reasons not to invalidate trans women. 
Thanks yeah. for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> Couldn't have put that in the words, but you know, as a plot point, you know, the fact that this guy was able to take credit for all of the work that she did and all of the creativity that she had and be heralded as like a genius and a superstar when she was just like, you know, when she was the one that really came up, I was like, and like what's a more female experience than that? Yeah, I don't know. Like I, you, tell I, me. you know, I have given birth and I've had my, my, uh, my, not my music, but my work stolen by men. And honestly, I feel like having your work stolen by men is more of a, breach your lips. Huh? <laughs> breach your lips. <laughs> No, I mean that 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 one didn't even cross my mind because it's happened to me so many times. I've only given birth once. <laughs> no, but seriously, as someone you who name has some names, you want to? Oh, I wanna... made Chuck mad. Hold on. <laughs> I have been pregnant. I have given birth. Honestly, I feel like the the experience of having a man uh, take credit for your labor, take credit for your work. Uh, let you just work behind the scenes and take credit for having it all together himself when in reality you did half of his work um that is a that is a more stereotypically feminine experience than giving birth go ahead and at me come on turfs <laughs> let's go turfs let's let's do let's do this thing yeah like and, and i feel like that's something that that maybe a lot of uh commentators on hedwig miss because it, that's a it's a it's a proof or a a example of the validity of the femininity and the female experience of trans women. Wow, that was I mean I wouldn't have thought of that. So this I mean, movie, I guess, this I guess movie it makes me think a lot to, of thoughts. <laughs> it take well it takes a woman to to know to really right, see like that. How right? could yeah. you watch everything that Hedwig goes through and goes? Oh yes, th- th- that one is the one that is the most female of these. That you, definitely you happened know. to me. None of this. Sh- happened to me so right like you wouldn't know because but but i think that people who were assigned female at birth or people who identify as female who watch this movie can can pick up on that Mm. um the one other thing that i wanted to kind of close with i think the the real value of this movie for me other than just having so many amazing songs just real catchy tunes and it had neil patrick harris in the broadway production and i love neil patrick harris like beyond words but other than all of those like amazing things about this movie and the musical i think this this movie it really does it humanizes trans women and trans people uh and not just in a you know sunshine and rainbows way but in the way of like this is a a very real person who had a mother and a childhood and trauma and moved to another country and had to learn the language and, and went through struggles at work and had a band that wasn't going anywhere. And just all of these human experiences. And she doesn't, she's not like a perfect person either. You know, she's sometimes she's like brilliant and sometimes she's absolutely abominable like yes the passport like sometimes scene. she's just awful yeah just the worst so just so abusive her and so anger manipulative. is just terrifying yeah. yeah but i i think that it's absolutely I've, I've seen a lot of people say that they want content that about about trans people and about queer people that's just not trauma content it's just like trans people having a happy life and falling in love and just being treated like anybody else on television and in media and I absolutely agree that it's necessary. It's time for that. We need to have just normal ass content about queer people in general. 
However, I think there also needs to be content where th- that's like Hedwig. That's just humanizing, just like just a story where sometimes people are bad and sometimes people are good. And this doesn't try to make a it doesn't try to make a villain out of trans people or a hero out of trans people because Hedwig is not a stand in for all trans people. Hedwig is just Hedwig and it's just a story about Hedwig. I think that's wonderful. And I think this also shows that being trans is not a monolith. People have different experiences. Um, Hedwig didn't necessarily choose to transition. It was kind of her only option. It was kind of pushed upon her. Uh, And then later she did identify as a woman. And I I think that's a a valuable lesson Um, because people, you know, people like the Wachowski sisters who came out super, super late in life and are valid, wonderful, great directors, Um, people who come out early in life, valid, wonderful. Um, I think that that this is this this movie is valuable because it shows that that trans people have very diverse experiences. And that's just like the way it is. Get used to it. Well, hey. Sorry, I didn't put a good button on the end of that one. I think I'm out of like really smart things to say today. Those were all salient points that you make. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I have to say about this movie because, you know, I guess I was the one that was supposed to review it, but then you assigned me something because you want to talk about it. Let's be real here. <laughs> and you've never done that. That wasn't oh. what happened with the Lil Wayne album. Come yeah, on. <laughs> that was, I'm sorry. That was, I, I should have thought better than to, that. that was not our best homework episode by far. That was, you know what? It's, I, it's okay. The good thing about that one was that um, I think that was on the back half of a different episode. So you can listen to that episode and we don't, you know, and don't have to worry about that. Um, was that before? Did we? That, before that was we before split we homework? split homework. Yeah. Oh my God. We've been That's doing this show for so long. Not too long. Um, we oh got more God. stuff coming in the future. Uh, man, I really, so uh, my final thoughts. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I well, I obviously did not have the level of emotional connection to this movie as Sadie did, but that's kind of to be expected. I enjoyed the songs from it. I thought the music was really good. Um, I might have to watch it again uh, if this came to Portland. If there was a, a if you know they were doing a, a, a if it was on Broadway and it was coming to Portland, I would consider going to see it depending on how much tickets were. And did I'm so sorry? Did you tell me what your favorite song was before I went off on some rant? I think my favorite song is probably Origin of Love. Oh, okay. That, that's a good one. That's a good Origin one. of Love or uh, Tear Me Down. That, just the first one, man. Like, Because you know what? I, I, I'll say it, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of my favorite albums ever, David Bowie, Diamond Dogs. Diamond Dogs by David Bowie is like one of my favorite albums ever. And Tear Me Down was just like straight out of that. Man. Now that I, I have just, Hedwig in my head, I'm going to go listen to that and, and see like what, what I can... Draw. Go listen. Go listen to Diamond Dogs. Do you know Diamond Dogs? Do you know that one? No, not no. I mean, I probably heard songs from it, but I, I wouldn't know like the album or anything. Go listen to that album. It's it's top tier. It's like oh god, it's so good. It's all. Have you read 1984? Yes. Then you'll Diamond Dogs is based loosely on 1984. Oh okay. Uh, it's weird glam rock. I we yeah. share a love of glam rock. Well, yeah, no, but that's sort of the interesting thing is that because you know what Di- David Bowie started to get popular like late sixties, uh, right? He was around that time. Yeah. Um, I remember you know my mom was telling me, um, because you know my mom was born in nineteen fifty six, and she was telling me about how 
when she was in high school, there were people that she knew that she was friends with that were, that got really, 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 really into David Bowie and like really, really into whole, into the whole glam rock thing. And, you know, they would have like the platform shoes and stuff like that. And that was like their fashion. And she was like, Oh, okay. Well, this seems like a bit much for me because my mom really liked Joni Mitchell. Joni Mitchell was her favorite thing. You know, she was really into folk music, but the people that got really into David Bowie and were just like, you know, this is me. This is like my thing. And then she realized later, oh, how many of those people were gay? How many of those people were queer? Oh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably right. Because no, like, and you know, like, and that was the first time that we really, or I don't want to say the first time, but that was a time when, you know, when in culture, that queer sort of coded content really 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 started to get to be mainstream and you saw these people and you saw this thing and it was it was out there it was in your face it was a bit raunchy at times and people saw that and they're just like yeah that's me that's that's me represented in that music there yeah and i think this this musical is kind of born from that oh 100 100 john cameron mitchell would have been experiencing that as a young person and then kind of played that into. Well, when was so, he born? Oh, there's my other. That's my other Hedwig fact. He was born in '63. Oh, he was born so in '63. Okay, like less than ten years younger than your parents. Yeah. So he would have grown up when he was a teenager. David Bowie would have been the thing. Yeah, you know, he would have been exactly, really popular. You know. Um. Also, John Cameron Mitchell is apparently going to play the uh, the guy from Tiger King in a movie. Oh. He's gonna play Joe, Joe, Joe Exotic in a movie. Um, okay, I can, I'll go my, see that. There's my one other Hedwig fact that I wanted to let you know. Uh, one time, Selena Hall was Yitzhak in for Neil Patrick Harris's Hedwig. That's right, because Yitzhak is played by a woman always, always. Yeah. But Lena Hall actually did Hedwig for a, a short run, which. I wish I could get a video of because that would just be the best thing ever. Anyway, Lena Hall liked a picture of mine on Instagram one time and I just about had a conniption fit and it was more exciting than meeting Rod Stewart. That's all. Wow. <laughs> that's was my it... closing. That's my, that's my very profound closing thought on Hedwig. That's like to the level of the time when Alana Haim retweeted me. Like it is. Yes, it is very much that level. Um, I thought I was going to die. Because Lena Hall liked my picture on Instagram. Yeah. Okay, that is that's uh that's everything I have to say about Hedwig for now. That's that's everything that you have to say about Hedwig, Sadie. Are you uh, sure? Are you sure no. you couldn't talk about Hedwig for another two hours? I mean, I could, but I'd have to start getting into like the musical themes, and that's going to be hard to do without a keyboard. And yeah, I I mean, I have the Hedwig um, piano songbook. I also have the Neil Patrick Harris cast recording on Barbie pink vinyl. I could get into the specifics of how they stage it in a small theater. I could, I won't. <laughs> no, but, but suffice to say you're a super fan. Um, and I'm glad that we got to do something that, uh, that was really meaningful to you and hopefully is meaningful to our audience. Um, I, you know, I, one of the things that I do know is that because from, from our analytics, from our, uh, podcast, uh, uh, distributor that gives us all of the analytics of who our audience is, what are our, our non-binary people are like, what, like three quarters of a percent of the whole population of, of the world, oh, I don't, right? I don't yeah, know. Something like that. We're our, like 3% of our audience is non-binary. 
Did you know that? Have you seen those numbers? Oh, so like higher than... Like many, many times higher. Okay, yeah. So the percentage of non-binary people who listen to our show is higher than the percentage in general population. Yes, like two or three times higher than the percentage of the... That's great. Hello, all you. I mean, that's true. Also, our audience is like 80% women. So... So you're saying that I can start introducing the podcast with, hello, ladies and ladies. Ladies and ladies. That's kind of fun. I like that. It's a TikTok. It's a TikTok thing. Um, the, the other one is, uh, this is for the girls, the gays, and the days. The girls, the gays, and the So everyone except for me. Yep. Uh, well, Sorry. Well, you, you know what? That's all right. There's enough content out there for me. They made nine Fast and the Furious movies, so. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you yeah. can go watch the Mandalorian or something. I don't know. I like Mandal Mandalorian's really good. I've no, I, I'm not trying to knock the Mandalorian. I've heard it's really good. I just haven't seen it. You're not, you're not care. big into Star Wars. You wouldn't be. So, um, yeah. yeah anyway, I, I feel have, like we've gotten off on a bit of a tangent. Us, okay. I feel like editing this episode is going to be a real adventure for you. No, it's going to be fine. I'm just going to just let it roll. Um, all right. Uh, so. If you uh, so uh, before we wrap up, I guess I should say that if you decide that you want to join our Patreon, if you like listening to us ramble, if you liked this episode, then there's <laughs> lots of more extra content on our Patreon, like the regular episodes, except with extended sections where we basically do this, uh, <laughs> which is fun, as well as Sadie wrote a lot of thing of of like you know sort of like personal essays i want to call them and yeah and also, i'm working on two more that haven't gone up yet um and probably won't by the time this this episode goes out but i am working on some more stuff for for the writing on the patreon yeah if you want to go into like and read her musings which are really quite interesting to do and also if you want to know what sadie has to say about the handmaid's tale what a real cult survivor has to say about the handmaid's tale you can go to patreon.com slash slash leaving eden podcast and for the month of june if you join during the month of june then all of the money that we collect for the patreon in the month of june goes to the Howard Brown Health Center in Chicago, Illinois, which provides health care for the LGBTQ community, which is badly needed uh, because there is a disparity in health care um, and they are not treated as properly as they should be. So we're doing our part to help. Yeah. Uh, and what else do we have to say? Oh, you can join our Facebook group, uh, which is called Eden Exodus. So go to facebook.com slash Eden Exodus. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Leaving Eden Podcast on Twitter at Leaving Eden Pod. Um, email is uh, Leaving Eden Pod at gmail.com. And if you want to send us emails uh, with your questions, uh, we are going to do a Q&A episode, I think, at the end of July. Is that yeah, when we have that, that schedule? That sounds for? right. It's going to be sometime in July, probably towards the end of the month. Yeah. So we're going to do a Q&A episode towards the end of July. Please get your questions in. We really want to answer them. Uh, and then we'll talk about great stuff then. Um, uh, yeah. Do you, Sadie, do you want to plug your social media? Yeah, I, I do. I do. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Hell yes, Sadie. You can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music. And you can follow me on TikTok at Hell yes, Sadie soon. Yeah. 
And you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N. If you want to stream the song that is playing right now, then you can go to find it on my Spotify page. Uh, and streaming uh, from that song, the proceeds of that go to help the show. Uh, so add it to your playlist, recommend it to your friends. Uh, and until next time, I guess we're going to have an episode on Monday. What's Monday? Monday is conversion therapy. Yep, Monday is right. uh, yeah conversion therapy and the X gay movement and XX gay and XX gay movement and uh, some amazing listener stories coming up on Monday. Yeah, I think we have three of them on Monday. We really love the listener stories. So that was really cool. Uh, and so until next time, uh, have a nice day. Bye bye. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.